Good morning, America, and thank you very much for tuning in to the outdoor scene. Beautiful bluebird skies today after yesterday's rain and snow throughout New England. I spent yesterday, Saturday, up on Lake Winnipesaukee, ice fishing with one of my sons, uh, taking uh, advantage of the extended season up there with some good, solid ice. High tide today would be at 8.25 this morning in Narragansett Bay. Low tide is going to be about 1.32. Sunset, 5.36. The days are getting longer. Uh, cellular period, if you're uh, a believer of hunting and fishing in good territory, the major period today will be at 12.45, and the minor occurred at 7.40 this morning. We also uh, had the weather brought to you by God and... Transportation and limousine services provided by CJ Trans of Fairbanks and Belo's Flowers. And they've got another trailer load of uh, uh, wood pellets from Canada. Uh, good, good deal on them right now. Uh, you have 30 days to remove the uh, pellet uh, from the property. Take them off at uh, five bag increments, 10 bags. And uh, we're about halfway through the uh, heating season right now. A full gift shop also to match up that perfect gift. Fresh produce uh, until your garden comes in. And also don't forget, over 60 years, the finest florist in the Woonsocket area. It's Belu's Flowers Gift Shop and so much more at 401-766-3165. And don't forget about Little General Special. There's one in your neighborhood. Seven great local franchises are local taxpayers also. These expire today at 228. Shoulder roast. Put that right on top of the pellet stove or in your crock pot. $4.99 a pound. And their own Chuck Hamburg. I get mine in one pound increments. There's so many things you can do as empty nesters with a pound of good Chuck Hamburg. $3.99 a pound. No limit. And something new, uh, Little Generals, I, first time I ever see it on the menu down there, uh, Little Generals Spinach Pies in all locations. Little General Stores, there's one in your neighborhood. We also got some happy birthdays today. And let me see how we're going to start that off. Uh, author Rick Mall turned 69. Uh, stock car driver Ryan Kuhn, uh, K-U-H-N, turns 20 today. Cody Mainville turns 30, and Timmy Kidney used to root for Junior. I wonder who he's rooting for now. He turns 49, and he calls North Attleboro home. Happy birthday to everybody. Let's uh, change gears a little bit, and we're going to kick off a little music, and I'm going to get out the next half-hour script. Please enjoy. It's called Just... Fishing. I'm lost in her there, holding that pink rod and reel. She's doing almost everything but sitting still. Talking about her ballet shoes and training wheels. And her kittens And she thinks we're just fishing I say daddy loves you baby 
And I hope you enjoyed that, Trace Atkins, and uh, very, very good music. Dedicated that one to my uh, daughter up in uh, Maine. Okay, uh, next part of our show is going to be sponsored by the Authors Hour Bookstore.com. Okay, uh, we have a show on Tuesday morning called The Authors Hour. And uh, we get a lot of email, people wanting to buy the copies of the book after we author it. So we got loaded up a bookstore, AuthorsHourBookstore.com. And right now I have over 300 entries in there right now. From children's books to uh, memoirs, uh, fiction, non-fiction, sci-fi, uh, history books. I've got some real good Civil War books in there, rare books that I've collected over the years, and I have over a 1,000 in my collection. But right now we have about 300 on the website. It's the AuthorsHourBookstore.com. Okay, we're going to uh, give you a little announcement, too, on the Rhode Island Saltwater Anglers Association. Uh, I was talking with Steve Madeiras, the president, and he said... Uh, 
they have no intentions of stopping virtual Zoom meetings. They're growing by leaps and bounds. And the last one they just had on Charlie Soares had over 300 members tuned in on Zoom. So uh, this is not an anomaly. It's going to be something every single month, whether they have one in-house after the virus dissipates or Zoom. The next one coming up for the Rhode Island Saltwater Anglers Association, absolutely free, is uh, targeting Rhode Island's inshore species, uh, black sea bass, fluke, etc. And the featured speaker is going to be uh, Captain Bryant Bacon, bringing all those years, over 30 years fishing uh, Rhode Island, New England waters, and the Florida Keys, with a Q&A at the end also. It was the 2017 Charter Captain of the Year, Rhode Island Saltwater Anglers Association, over 7,500 members strong. I got uh, another thing I would like to announce here, too, is uh, contact your senator, your U.S. senator, or anyone with a strong influence politically. Uh, There's been a person nominated, a female, uh, for the Secretary of the Department of Interior. Her name is Deb Haland, H-A-A-L-A-N-D. Her past stance on all of trapping is very troublesome, to say the least. Please respond on that and uh, show your feelings on that if you're the lover of the purest outdoor naturalists, uh, trapping traditions uh, nationwide, how our country was founded, www.senate.gov.senators-senators, and voice your opinion on that. Please check that out before we have a tremendous big nationwide problem. And, you know, it's got uh, a bad enough reputation now uh, fur trapping, and a lot of states really depend on all of that information that's supplied by the trappers for their creel limits and uh, the state of the animals in their state. There's so much valuable information on that, and a controlled harvest is the correct way to uh, protect all of those species, as the uh, real outdoor person knows. Okay, so voice your opinion on that. And to follow up on that, I'm going to give you a little story on that. Uh, I belong to a bunch of groups of uh, trappers, and trapping's been in the Baba family since day one. And uh, going in school, grammar school and stuff like that, me and the cook boys from Maplevale, we did uh, quite a bit of trapping a couple of years in a row in the uh, Boroughville area. And uh, one of the things I get is a monthly or bi-weekly Fur Harvesters Auction readout from North Bay, Ontario. Competition in times of crisis and the road ahead in 2021. person that wrote this is one of the most influential people in trapping and furs in the world. I have been employed in this business from the auction end since the early 80s. And as a trapper... Earlier yet, 
The first real crisis I personally witnessed in this business happened in the mid-80s when the Ontario Trappers Association went through a major shift in new directors being voted in at an annual Trappers convention. Out of that new board hired Price Warehouse to develop a new management platform for the uh, first sales service. When the dust settled, it saw Alex Schiff's reign after 20 years at the helm as captain of a real success story of OTA, which he played a major role in building. A multi-tiered management team that put in place with people being hired with no history in the trade. It was during this time of great unrest and turmoil the Hudson Bay Company, HBC, formed Trappers International Marketing Service and set up a warehouse directly across the road from where we remain today. TIMS hired away many of the senior graders, managers, and agents from OTA, which made our situation even tougher. As well, at the same time, we were depressed market with prices and clearances at unhealthy levels. The end game of the subsidy was put uh, OTA out of business, as printed in the Ottawa Citizen on February 11, 1986. Newly appointed General uh, Manager Ron LaCour stated when asked by the reporter, why not set up a subsidiary in Toronto and leave North Bay the association alone? If you're going to be in a uh, competition, what better place is where to locate than next door? Well, that turned out to be 35 years ago. And there was not a flash in the pan or anything like that. And FHA bought most of their warehouse equipment as well. And I recall many of us were rolling carts of bins of equipment down the end of the road from their warehouse to ours. In the 1960s, there were eight fur auctions in the entire Canada. Hudson Bay, Dominion Fur, Saudic, Edmonton Fur Association, Western Canadian Fur, Canadian Fur Auction, Saskatchewan, uh, and Ontario Trappers Association. Some were forced out of business, but many were simply swallowed up by HBC to become a subsidiary or affiliate forwarded agency for that corporation with all furs auctioned in the city of Toronto. During the 80s and right up to 2008, Canada was home to the three remaining auction houses. In 2008, the late grade Ted Pappas, owner of the Western Canadian Fur Auctions, decided to hand over his business to FHA leaving only two companies standing in the entire country. During the last 35 years, market prices have risen and fallen, and troubles come and go. This is how crazy this particular business is in the fur business. The next auction is set for mid-April of this year, to be determined by a second one in June depending how this first one goes in April, down to one auction house in the entire country of Canada.
some interesting information coming out on that. And uh, it's, it's really something. It's going to be the Fur Harvesters Auction Incorporated. And potential sale dates are going to be April 9th through the 13th, 2021. And like I say, June is to be determined. This is going to be at the North Bay in Canada, the last one standing, conjunction with the American Mink Exchange. So that's a big part of it still, uh, the farms that raised a few uh, fur. We've got a lot of information, too, on stockings in Connecticut. They've had a bumper year on raising fish, and they're not afraid to share them, especially for the great ice fishing season we have going on right now. And that's brought to you by the best breakfast in Northern Rhode Island, Sirio's Pizza Rama and Restaurant. Sunday from 8 to 8 with the best breakfast in Northern Rhode Island. Also Sunday dinner for two for nineteen ninety five. That includes soda and coffee, including decaf and a homemade dessert. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Tuesday special, large cheese pizza, six dollars. And dining room is now open with extended hours. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 11 to 8. Uh, sit back and watch a hockey game this afternoon or the race and have uh, a delivery uh, right to you from Sirio's Pizza Rammer and Restaurant by calling 401-568-7187. Again, the best breakfast in Northern Rhode Island is Sirio's going on right now starting at 8 o'clock this morning. Try that Italian toast up there. It's really, really good. And Jimmy had a nice special the other day on stuffed peppers. Really, really good. Uh, he's been also running another special during the middle of the week. A very inexpensive scallop plates. Instead of getting raped over the coals with those high, high prices, he's got a good deal on the scallop plates. Also, on uh, cereals, during the uh, pandemic here, family members have come up with a real good advertising program on social media with Facebook. And normally they post the specials for the day, every day on Facebook. So take a look at it, decide what you're going to order, and then move all the way over to the right-hand side to share. And I'm not talking about Sunny and Share, I'm talking about S-H-A-R-E. Hit that share button on, fa- uh, share button on your Facebook page and uh, let all of your Facebookers know about the great specials at Cereal's Pizza Remo. Trout stockings. Here we go. Let's start with the oldest one right up to date here. Also, our volunteers are needed by the state of Connecticut and the Audubon Alliance Shorebirds Monitoring Program coming up this spring. Okay, trout stockings from 222. Uh, the Farmington Trout Management Area. The Goodwin Dam Area has got most of the fish. West Hill Pond in Highland Lake. Then the trucks went over to uh, Trout Stocking on 223 and did the Mill River TMA, Trout Management Association, uh, Trout Management Area, uh, Peak of Quokkabuck River, uh, P-E-Q-U-A-B-U-C-K, River. I've never fished it. i got to put that on my bucket list for 2021. East Twin Lakes, Amos Lake, and Crystal Lake. These, the last three, uh, East Twin Lakes, Amos, and Crystal, got all the fish 
over 16 inches. Okay? So the bigger fish went in those last three. Uh, Connecticut stockings for 224. Uh, Farmington River, TMA, right around the Route 219 down to the lower Collinsville Dam. That'll uh, familiar. You can visualize where they put those trout in. Rogers Lake got a healthy batch, and Amos Lake too. Amos Lake is 16 inch and bigger. Uh, the Connecticut also just sent me an email. I'm going to get it on the air in between the stockings. Summer help is looking right now in Connecticut, uh, Connecticut deep. Uh, all the other New England states call it fish and wildlife and DEM. In Connecticut, they call it deep. D-E-E-P, just the way it sounds. And they're taking applications now for all the seasonal summer workers. Um, they must be counting on this virus being dead, too. Uh, Connecticut stockings for 225 Had the Nogatuck River get a healthy batch. Uh, Salmon River, TMA, fly area only, if you want to set that on your uh, guide. Squats Pond. And the Squats Pond get the biggest fish on that stocking. So it would be 16 inch and upper. And uh, that's your fishing report out of Connecticut for the stockings going on right now. we got another couple of reminders, one from Maine and one from Vermont. We're going to get them in there too. And that's brought to you by, uh, we ran into it uh, last time we went up to Lake Winnipesaukee and did some ice fishing. Uh, people get excited and uh, forget the keys locked in the trucks and in the cars or dome lights on. They need a jump start to get going. Well, I don't know how far they extend it out, but Larry's 24-hour towing. It doesn't have any cutoff time, so mileage or anything like that. So for anything in the tri-state region, I would say, Larry's 24-hour towing, lockout service, jump starting, slide off the road on some black ice. Um, you get your stimulus check and you bought a motorcycle or an ATV. Just give them the address. They'll get it on the flatbed, chain it down, get it delivered right to your location. Uh, also schedule a Rhode Island State inspection by calling the same phone number, 401-568-6286. And if Nelly Bell is about to be retired, 300,000, 400,000 miles, uh, it's also the same place as Marvel Motor Sales since 1922, with used auto and truck sales daily. Peter, Jerry, John, Brian, and the rest of the ASC certified staff are there five days a week, and then they rotate on the 24-7 towing. Expert bodywork and insurance estimates right on the premises, and they work with all insurance co uh, companies. 401-568-6286. Let me check them off the list here. Consider them done. Marvel Motors we talked about. Serials we talked about. And the Author's Hour we talked about. Okay, State of Vermont. You know, winter is going by pretty quick. And it's not going to be long before all this ice is actually gone. Uh, we lost just about all of the snow cover up here in Connecticut. I'm looking out of my remote office. We had about 14 to 16 inches as a snowpack in my backyard. And I would say right now, it's down to about 4 inches. Wherever, wherever there's not a material that collects the sun. 
you know, the stone walls, all the piles of wood and stuff like that. But the regular snow cover is down to about four inches here in the northeast quiet corner. But Vermont, they got to give these reminders out because they have another problem up there with ice shanties. Everybody builds a custom ice shanty to go out there and do some jigging and stuff like that. Well, you got to remember, too, to retrieve them and get them all off the ice before it starts melting. Or it's unsafe to get a car or a truck out there to uh, pull them off the ice. So a reminder, those have to be removed by March 28th this year. And that's a state law in Vermont that requires all ice fishing shanties to be removed before the last ice weekends, according to Vermont Fish and Wildlife. Okay, if it becomes unsafe or loses its ability to support the shanty out on the water or before the last Sunday in March, this year comes out the 28th, whatever comes first. All contents, your wood piles, debris, and your supports must all be removed at the same time or it will become a hazard for navigation in the open water in the spring. The fine for leaving your ice fishing shanty on the ice or debris is up to $1,000. And any shanty may not be left at a state fishing access parking area. You can't just pull them off and leave them there either. Ice shanties will be removed in Vermont before the ice becomes unsafe or loses its ability to support the shanty. If you don't do it, they will, and then the fines are going to come right in. They take it really serious up there because it's a uh, a common thing every single winter. They go through the same thing every winter. You also got a report here, too, from Maine. We've got to get over the air. And uh, we get the emails and the press releases from all the states, uh, New England states, including... Uh, uh, New York and Pennsylvania, you know, the show you're listening to right now is going out on 14 different ways, Alexa, Apple, uh, you name it, TuneIn Radio, uh, FM on 99.9, AM 1380, WNRI.com worldwide. I found one on the other day, Radio.com, I think it was, and it's got a map of the whole world with these little circles. And you hit click on a, a circle, and it's a radio frequency in that area. And it's amazing how you can listen to the show from anywhere in the world. And you're talking about acquisitions from anywhere in New England. If you're thinking of starting a new store or a man cave or your garage, and you're looking for some really good uh, deal on shelving, uh, two-door, three-door coolers, freezers, any size checkout counter, and retail shelving. All colors, gondolas, end caps. And also, did you get your stimulus check there and you're thinking about putting a new floor in? They uh, acquired a trailer truck load of Pronto Luxello flooring. Three different colors are still left, all sealed on the pallets at only $1.50 a square foot. That's correct, $1.50 a square foot. We're going to get all this, including overstocked, abandoned freight, discontinued products, inventory closeout, or seasonal clearance items, all 
at Sherwood Brothers Liquidators Exchange. They're located at Building 9 in the Tupperware Condo Mill Complex at Blackstone, North Smithfield. And, uh, you know, you can see it as you're going down St. Paul Street, right over the Blackstone River, uh, the old iconic mill building. The right-hand side of the property is still commercial property, and you can't miss this Building 9 sign that American Beauty Sign Works designed for them. And boy, if they got the stuff over there. 219-802-3769. And John or Jesse, somebody will pick that phone right up. Now, they're another company that's adapted to social media. And social media that I use and them has a thing called Marketplace. And you'll find uh, Liquidators Warehouse under Marketplace with a North Smithfield location. And that's a lot of the inventory that uh, John Sherwood's got listed from uh, Sherwood Brothers Liquidators Exchange. You'll see the stuff right there. And uh, also, new arrivals every day. If you're worried about a uh, pickup, they've got a loading platform. Loading platform. Back your vehicle or your trailer right up. They'll give you a hand. Or they can coordinate a delivery right to your location. That and so much more with great customer service. From Sherwood Brothers Liquidators Exchange, 219-802-3769. And boy, there are new arrivals every day. I was there the other day, and a guy bought a whole tote of uh, pegs for all the pegboard for his retail store. And the whole tote had all the different sizes in it. And, you know, just things like that. Anything in retail, shelving, accessories, they've got it all. Or visualize what's in a CVS or a Walmart or a uh, Walgreens store that loses its lease goes to another location, they don't take it all down and re-put it back up. They sell it to a liquidator, and some of it, like the one he did in North Smithfield or Walgreens, was only seven months old. Nice, nice stuff. Oh, tremendous savings. If you're starting out with your five-year business plan on that, you really can't beat it. Let's talk about what Maine's talking about. Uh, Maine is experiencing a problem that they're enforcing and as you know, there's over uh, 14,000 miles on private land, basically about 96% private land up in Maine for ATVs and snowmobiles. Now, another thing that's a big problem up there that they're going to enforce on, uh, they caught and prosecuted two different sets of snowmobilers running a moose so much with their machines, playing with them, the moose actually died from exhaustion. And uh, this is not a, a laughing matter up in uh, North Country. The states take it serious. And if they catch you doing something like this, you are going to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Spotting a moose, deer, or other wildlife can be a highlight of a main snowmobiling adventure. Help protect the things you love. Never, ever chase or pursue wild animals that often frequent the trails. You know, it's the same thing down here with the power lines and the gas lines. That's where you'll see the local black bears in the tri-state region and the coyotes and stuff like that. They usually work all of these trails from left to right. And uh, they're creatures of habit like that. 
Any unnecessary physical activity can be very, very dangerous or even deadly to already uh, stressed animals at this time of the year with less stuff to eat and the weather and, you know, in the snow and everything else. This is a critical time, including the ticks up there. Always maintain as much distance as possible until they step off the trail and are out of the way so you can pass safely. You know, work with nature on that. Ride safe and respect all those private landowners that make this possible. Like I say, the state is only supplying you a little over 5.5% of the property. 94% and change is all private property. So respect that and use some etiquette on that. Stay on the mock snowmobile trails. Drive to the right and at an appropriate speed for your experience and the conditions around you. Stay alert and be aware to all of the riders, uh, recreators, and wildlife on the trail. Never drink and ride. Remember that modified exhaust systems are totally illegal in the state of Maine. Must be factory exhaust. Pick up all of your trash, register your snowmobile, and support a local club. Those local clubs uh, negotiate the permissions and keep those trails groomed for you and do all the trimming in the off-season. It's a tremendous task. Follow the rules and ride safe. Also, before you go out, you can actually get on your computer and check out snowmobile quick, uh, quick reference guides. There's all kinds of information up there to enjoy the beautiful state of Maine. You can register your snowmobile right online. Uh, 2021 Snowmobile Quick Reference Guide. A Maine Snowmobile Laws and Rules. And you can donate to the Maine Snowmobile Trail Fund. A Maine Snowmobile Association, find a trail map you're looking for in a particular town. Bureaus of Parks and Land Snowmobile Resources by the state. And also, right now, is still in effect, the Maine COVID-19 travel information. Do you have to be pre-tested and have some paper before you go into the uh, another state, crossing the state lines? Follow that out. We had to do all the guidelines for Maine and New Hampshire a couple of weeks ago. And then uh, some of the times when you come back to uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island, or a Mass, after taking one of these vacations or trips, you've got to be retested back here and put in a holding area to make sure you didn't bring anything back with you. So double check all of your state COVID-19 travel information for your recreation needs on that too. I don't know if we talked much at all last week on the uh, proposed um, main hunt for uh, moose. And I've got that. Uh, Nikki Fortin and Mark Scott. Mark Scott followed up this week with another email on that. And the uh, Vermont Moose Hunt proposed to improve the health of Vermont moose. That report came out, and it looks like they're going to have a limited moose hunt in only one section of the Northern Kingdom 
and it's uh, YMUE in the northeastern corner of the state is the only area that's been proposed in order to reduce the impact of winter ticks on the moose population. These proposals were voted on and accepted on February 17th with all the different boards. And moose density in that part right there uh, remains, remains well above one moose per square mile. That's the healthy ratio for feed and everything else with the ticks. Higher than any part of the state. Uh, Nikki Fortin is in charge of that as the moose biologist for the state of uh, Vermont. And moose uh, densities greater than one per square mile will support an extra amount of number of winter ticks, which will negatively impact the calf moose health and survival rate. That's what they're really worried about the calves. Uh, The Fish and Wildlife in Vermont I know Maine does this also. They started with the research on this a few years ago to conduct a study of moose health and survival and WMUE in that zone. And the results of the study right up to date in which 126 moose, which consisted of 36 cows and 90 calves, were fitted with the GPS tracking collars clearly showed that chronic high winter tick loads have caused the health of the most in that part of the state to be extremely poor. Several of the adult most remained relatively good, but birth rates were very low, and less than half of the calves survived the first winter. Less than 50%. The 2021 moose season recommendations by these panels was accepted by the Fish and Wildlife Board at that February 17th meeting. Okay, so this is going to be what's in stone right now for this October season coming right up after you get into the lottery. The state of Vermont will now issue 60 either sex moose hunting permits and 40 antlerless moose hunting permits in that one zone only for the October hunt. This will result in an estimated harvest rate of 51 to 66 moose, or 5% of more than the 1,000 moose that currently live in that part of Vermont. Okay? So uh, they're getting all the information on the computer on this. Not everybody that wins one of those permits and takes that week out of work and invests all that money and time and uh, provisions to haul it out of the woods and uh, then do the the butchering and uh, everything involved in it. Uh, You're not guaranteed a moose. You still got hunted. And uh, that's where these figures come down a lot lower. So they're going to give up 60 plus 40. They're going to give out, uh, by lottery, 100 applications on those permits. And they're expecting that the harvest rate will only be 51 to 66 most. You know, a little bit more than 50%. 
This permit recommendation will help address winter tick impacts on all the moose, especially in that one zone. This will allow future moose permit allocations to be adjusted as all the new information becomes available. So they're not done with this. They're going to put some more harnesses out there and keep monitoring the situation. Given the poor health of the moose population in all the New England states, it is clearly identified cause that they've got to lower the amount of moose to lower the high tick loads, which continue to impact the health of overall all the moose in that region for many years to come. No moose hunting permits will be recommended for all the other regions in Vermont. It's a no moose season, just this one place, one part of it. I think they call it the Northern Kingdom. All kinds of information on that Vermont Fish and Wildlife website. And uh, they're going to still accept comments uh, right up to March 31st by email. If uh, you're a former hunter or want to get in on this lottery and stuff like that, that hotline number on emailing is open right until March 31st under Moose under VermontFishAndWildlife.com. The extraordinary high number of moose in that northeast corner of Vermont has stimulated a dramatic increase in winter ticks, causing moose health to severely decline. Listen to the totals on this. As many as 90,000 winter ticks have been found on a single moose. More than half of the moose calves have died in recent winters due to blood loss caused by winter ticks. Vermont Fish and Wildlife explains that reducing the number of hosts, the actual moose, will reduce the number of parasite ticks and improve overall the quality of the moose health in the state of Vermont. They're right up there with Maine. Maine's got, the, I think, probably the best biologists around, especially around here on moose, black bears, and stuff like that. And we've got an update, too, on you, too. On uh, a couple of times this uh, winter, I've got emails to go down and be a volunteer down on Cape Cod for uh, the cold stunned sea turtles along the coast of Cape Cod. They got trapped up here on the uh, the current that comes up, you know, the uh, from Bermuda right up here through New England. And uh, a lot of times when the uh, water temperature drastically reduces fast, I think 51 degrees is a crucial on that, the sea turtles get stunned and uh, lethargic and get washed up on shore. And then it's not too long before they're dead. And uh, tremendous problem on that cold snap that snuck down the vortex from Canada all the way down into Texas. You know, it froze up the uh, turbines and a lot of the uh, supplies down there for water and electricity. Tremendous effect on uh, effect on this on the coast of Texas. I'm looking at one report here, and volunteers raced to one particular beach area on the coast of Texas and rescued, with a CBS News team filming it, over 4,000 turtles. 
are around the South Padre Island area. Now that's an area where a lot of the turtles do their egg laying and stuff like that. And they got trapped down there when that water dropped. They've been rescued a lot of them on big, big uh, boats and uh, brought to warming areas inside stadiums and stuff like that. And a lot of them, I think, were brought uh, by truck and stuff over to Florida. So that's uh, really a work in progress on that. And uh, Wendy Knight uh, was in charge of that whole thing by CBS News, uh, orchestrating uh, generators and uh, all kinds of heat water things for turtles, which can't survive in that cold water. So you're going to see some future specials on that on National Geographic and uh, Nature. You'll see them on PBS down there with the filming crews and stuff. And all the pictures are unbelievable. They rented every big U-Haul truck, uh, all the big rental trucks. They rented them all just to haul the turtles back and forth. And uh, they set up a whole set of uh, emergency sea turtle hotlines. 956-243-4361 is... Uh, that part of the country will cover that. And also, they're accepting all kinds of donations now to save the turtles. And uh, separate uh, GoFundMe pages and crowded faith, all kinds of fundraisers going on. South Padre, uh, South Padre Island Convention Center has been converted too for space and usage of these uh, for the turtles. What a story that is in making. I, I believe it's warmed up and a lot of the power has been restored since. But how long is it going to take for that water to warm up down there to uh, give those turtles uh, for rehabilitation and, you know, the ones that are stranded? How long can they stay on shore with that cold, cold weather? That's quite a work in progress. <clears throat> Uh, we also got another report. I didn't get any paperwork on it, but it was a absolute disgrace, and uh, ethically, it was just wrong. I've got to talk about it because I can't hedge away from an outdoor uh, type of thing on this show. And the pictures that we got out of Facebook this week on uh, some of the areas up in the Sebago Lake, Long Lake Ice Fishing Tournament, they had that a week before the big one at the Rotary Club and the big one up at Skudik. Uh This was the Sebago Lake region, lower part of Maine. And somebody went out, more than one, on the lakes that were involved and photographed and went viral on Facebook and other outlets the piles of dead lake trout on the ice. Uh, slot limits are fine. You know, you try to get uh, the ponds to produce the biggest fish for everybody. But to just catch everything below the slot limit and pile them up on the ice, it's just not right. Ethically, it's not right. They're good, edible, eating fish. Uh, there should be a bigger program on cleaning those fish and donating them to the homeless. And especially... Anybody that's running a tournament, this is a big, big no-no. It's the absolute worst advertising you could ever get in the world. 
anything like that, to abuse any part of nature like that. Uh, even I would holler, a lot of the smaller ponds in Rhode Island, I've seen over the years, I'm not going to mention any names, you know who you are, but a lot of people would be fishing in a pond looking for the trophy largemouth bass, very prized by uh, tournaments and bass fishermen for the fight and stuff like that. Uh, Not so much for the eating, a lot more and more catch and release and stuff like that, sportsmanship. But that same person that brags on the sportsmanship is catching a lot of uh, what they call junk fish, which are skinny, stunted pickerel. And they call them garbage fish. And a lot of times ice fishing, you'll see them just laying on the ice or feeding to the seagulls or the American eagles, which are predominant now on all of our lakes, even in the ice now. And uh, just put out there as a junk fish. And I don't think it's right. If you catch a pickerel through the ice and you don't want to harvest it, put it back for somebody else. Let it grow. It's part of the system. You know, they were here before we were. And uh, ethically, I think that's the way to do it. If not, uh, especially this lake trout deal up in Maine, there are so many food kitchens. And uh, I know a bunch of sportsmen clubs like that would volunteer they would have a cleaning station right out on the ice and do the butchering and the uh, preparing of the fillets and stuff right on the ice. Then leave your remains for the coyotes and, and the uh, hawks and the eagles, stuff like that. You know, the remains of the fish, but not the whole entire fish, you know, because you didn't reach your slot limit or... Uh, the biggest one of the day uh, so far they know is 5 pounds, 11 ounces. So anything caught under that, leave it on the ice. That That's just wrong. It's plain wrong. Leave, put them back in there for somebody else to enjoy or let them grow. And uh, there's other ways of doing it. But that was the absolute worst way to do that. Uh, same thing, you know, I'm a former president of the National Wild Turkey Federation Swamp Yankee Gobblers. And uh, I always preached on all of my clinics, don't be a bragger on a turkey that you've worked hard and you've harvested and you're going to eat and stuff like that. You don't have to hang it on your truck on the way home uh, like a six-point buck hanging off the tailgate of your truck. Close the tailgate. That can be offensive to non-hunters and really work against you on your cause. To be a naturalist, to protect your hunting areas, to protect your fishing areas, to protect wild turkey. You know, there are good ways and bad ways of doing things. Don't uh, flagrantly, you know, show it out there as a a trophy hanging off the hood of your truck or, you know, roped up on the top here, uh, like a couple of movies, The Deer Hunter from years ago. You know, put it in the back of your pickup truck, all got it out in the field, you know, coyotes have got to eat too and everything. And get it to your processing plant or if you're going to do it back at your house and uh, do it in a humane manner. You're just looking for the steaks and the venison out of it or a, a real good mount. Okay? So just use some common sense on that. I'd like to look a bit a little bit more too on the size of the fish that uh, won those two largest tournaments that we had. Escudic Lake, uh, they just had their 59th annual tournament up there. 
uh, February 15th and uh, 13th and the 14th. And I don't know if I told you about that. One of my grandsons won seventh place in one of the shore drawing prizes. And he got a, uh, a sewer pump out, you know, for the, your uh, leach fields and all that stuff. Your septic tank, that's a big thing up in Maine. And that was the seventh prize on that. <laughs> he had to laugh on it because, you know, he was in the crap when he won it. But uh, he did catch a fish that went up on the board, only good for fourth place. But Saturday night, he fished right through the night in his new uh, um, Vortex uh, fishing hut that he bought this year. And at one thirty-three in the morning, he come in fourth place on a cusk that he caught up there. And didn't make the board in the top three. But he was awful proud of it getting at 133 in the morning. But uh, a lot of nice, nice prizes that they gave away in that. Uh, Togue, which is that lake trout we just talked about. The winner of the uh, Scudic Tournament on that, with a total cash prizes of $3,800, was uh, Tyler Pinkham from Moscow, Maine. Got a beautiful 30-incher. Uh, 9.5 pounds, and that was good enough for uh, first place, $400. Second place uh, dropped down to an 8-pound, 2.8, and that was good for $200 by Travis Dunnels. He uh, calls Newfield, Maine, home. And uh, Ricky Sherburn from Ripley, Maine, got the third place on that for $100. Bucks. Uh, beautiful 28-inch fish, 7.47 pounds on that. Salmon was included in this, too. Let me see how we did that. First place, not too big of a fish, 25 inches long, 5.86 pounds, was uh, Kenny Turnbull from Berwick. And I'm looking at that. I don't see him in the board of any other species. So he must have targeted the salmon, you know, just below the ice. Uh, Rob Prue, out of Wales, Got second place on that for two hundred dollars. Twenty-two inch fish, five point two two. And uh, Eddie Cobb from Hudson, Maine, uh, twenty-six inches long. Uh, I think that's a typo because he's got uh, he's four inches longer than the fish in front of him, and yet the fish is unless it was a real skinny one. Twenty-six inches long, five point one. Good for third place at a uh, hundred bucks. Now, pickerel was included in this. And I've noticed this now. There's a patent developing on pickerel. And around here, we actually have two different kinds of pickerel in uh, the tri-state region that I live, where I call home. We've got a red fin pickerel here. Pulaski Park's got them, Bowdish, and uh, Pasco Lake. Uh, up north, I'm not too sure about that. But they're calling it regular pickerel. And they lowered the prize amount on it. They considered a junk fish, I guess. Our first prize dropped down to $200. And that was by Larry Cuco from Boyd Lake. That's where the fishing was on that. Oh, there was also a nice big trout taken out of Milo. Uh, Mike Benlin uh, took third place in the trout division with a 19-inch uh, rainbow. Nice, nice fish. Uh, Pickerel second place. 24 inches long, 3.1. That was by Kaya Laverde from Medford. And we were talking about the cost that Cody, Cody got that one at 133 in the morning. First place, 
uh, was a guy down in Orono by the uh, University of Maine Black Bears. Jordan Duffy was good for first place for $200, 30 inches long. Oh, we finally got one. A cost 6.64. I think some of the other tournaments that we're going to be talking about this winter, they're 8 and 9 pounds. You know, the ones that usually come up on the board in first. Uh, Cody's, I think, was four and change, which was a beautiful fish. Let's get over to the uh, jigging classes on this. A white perch. Let's see here. 14 and a half inches long. 1.72. And uh, that was caught Lance Bernia from Dayton. That was good to first prize for a couple hundred bucks. And uh, Alan Cole from Bradford. He got one 13 inches long, 1.33, was good for second place. Uh, the normal size of your eating perch, the yellow perch, I read a, a long, long uh, story on that the other day that I got from a friend of mine. The average eatable, edible size for catching on the yellow perch is going to average about 9 inches. When you get a 12 or 13 inch yellow perch, that's basically a trophy. What's the deal? What else we got going in here? And let me see. Oh, you know, I got a great song here I can play for you. And we'll see what this one is. There it is right here. How about Tom T. Hall? No. How about Jamie Johnson and Allison Krause? The computer jumped right ahead on me. I saw her in person at a college here in Rhode Island, plus a coffee shop up in Boston. One of my great all-time bluegrass and country. He looked down into her brown eyes, said, say a prayer for me. She threw her arms around me. Whispered, God will keep us free. They could hear the riders come. He said, this is my last fight. They take me back to Texas. They won't take me back to As Jamie Johnson on lead guitar. Seven Spanish angels looking out 